last week on the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast. Mark my words, I will pull it. <laughs> Ripcord 3 does nuke the entire show. It's why it's rarely used. And I was going to wear an American flag over my shoulders for this episode. And you cannot allow me to continue to blast away and then shapeshift and then teleport behind you and blast away some more. And then all of a sudden your own torpedo is headed right for you. Not even my own torpedo. It looked different than the one that I fired. And no, there isn't a deeper metaphor there. And. If you did any prep whatsoever, looked at the rankings once, checked the show sheet once, listened to the clip of Marshawn Lynch talking to John Wertheim once, you would know all these things! And is this the time when you think people start masturbating to the show? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sonic Truth Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Liss. You can find me on Twitter at an Outrage Jew. And with me, as always, is Mr. Matt Kelly. You can find him on Twitter at Fantasy underscore Mansion. And tonight, we're bringing on a special guest. Although, unfortunately, Jeff Miller was unavailable. So we settled for the next best thing. And that is Carl Safchik, host of the Dynasty One Podcast. And you can find Carl at Carl Safchik. What's up, Carl? Yeah, there's no underscores in my Twitter name. I'm I'm happy to be your your fallback girl, you know, your 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 sloppy seconds to Jeff Miller. You know, when when he doesn't answer his phone late at night at midnight when you're drunk and you're just looking for a lay, I'm the I'm the next I'm the next person you call. But but really, I'm I'm happy you're having me on, but for your listeners I just think it should be known that I'm like the least qualified to talk about the incoming rookie class, and yet you're having me on to speak about them just over a week before the, the NFL draft. So that's great. That's great. You host a dynasty podcast. I mean, you're supposed you to at think. least be familiar with the rookie players, so that's the first objection that I have. The second objection is... Did Nate make a mistake in the first line of the show getting your Twitter handle wrong? What? I no, said his? I think he got it he got it right. Yeah. At Carl Safchik. I, I don't have, I'm 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 team no underscore on Twitter. Oh, that was really confusing. You made it sound like Nate made a mistake, but he said it right. He did no. say it right. Why why did you mention the underscore at all? What was the point of that? Because you have one. Right, I, I only have one because Fantasy Mansion was taken because it's a real estate Twitter handle. Fantasy Mansion, it's like a McMansion Twitter handle. They build prefabricated homes for way too much money. All right, Carl, I just want to say something. You mentioned that you are not qualified to talk about rookies, so I want to start you off with another question. What would you say is the biggest difference between you and Jeff Miller? <laughs> I don't get this bit you're doing. I feel like you're dancing around the tough ones right now. <laughs> I would say I'm not married, and I also leave the house sometimes. Oh, wow. Jeez. All right. All I right. Don't, well, I don't have responsibilities like Jeff. 
I'll I'll ease off on the Jeff Miller comps, even though they're I'll, scary close. That's probably true. I'm probably like if we were both on PlayerProfiler.com, we would be each other's comp. But the married with children, like I'm in the the zero percentile. Right. Okay. All right. All right. Let's move on to something that's actually football related here. Here's a question for you. I know that you said that you're not really in tune with the incoming rookie class, but you should be at least with this one guy. Here's a question. How much does the draft capital matter for Joe Mixon? That's a good question. I just, I just like to, to lower the expectations for my rookie knowledge. I think draft capital matters for anybody. And with Joe Mixon specifically, I, I get the question as to referring to where, that it might not matter as much. And I would, I would agree that it wouldn't matter as much as other players. But with any player, draft capital not only represents what the NFL thinks of them as a player, but more specifically, how much leeway they have as a player uh, if they, A, don't perform well on the field, or B, in Mixon's case, which is more likely, he gets in trouble off the field. So if he were selected in the first round, uh, and, and his talent would suggest that he would be, then teams would give him a long leash. Now, I'm not sure that teams will give him a long leash because of what happened, what has happened off the field. And that's why draft capital does matter. Now, we could see him get drafted later than we expect and still say, hey, he's a hell of a player. But if that contract doesn't match up to what we see talent wise, then the proverbial leash is just going to be shorter. I think that's right. I think that if Joe Mixon gets drafted in the fourth round, he's going to be treated like any other fourth-round pick once the season starts. If he's drafted in the first round, he's going to be treated as if he's a first-round pick. So if you think about Melvin Gordon in 2015, the least efficient full-time running back in the league, but everyone knew he was locked into a starting job in 2016 because he was drafted in the first round. We don't afford that luxury to the non-first-round picks. And that's why it would be nice if you are a Joe Mixon enthusiast for him to be drafted in the first round like any running back. We talked about this last week, but there were teams that said, regardless of how you feel about what Joe Mixon's character concerns are and what the backlash would be for drafting him, whether you take him in the first round or the seventh round, you're probably going to get the same end results in terms of response. So you may as well just take him where he's valued. And that very well could be in the first round. Well, for I saw that, and I dis I disagree because you want to have that shorter leash with him, just in case anything happens off the field. I, I get I get the argument though, but and I just wanted to add on to uh, Matt's uh, Melvin Gordon take. And do you guys think that Devontae Adams would be in the league if he wasn't a second round pick after two years? I mean, would he be maybe practice squad, maybe wide receiver five on his own team? material and and he ended up being a fantasy wide receiver one last year and based on I mean you're talking about all-time low for Melvin Gordon I mean Devontae Adams broke the inefficiency scale in his first two years as a pro that's right yeah it absolutely matters but I think the question is once he's drafted do teams think of him as a first round talent or is he classified as a middle round guy if that's in fact where he gets drafted because of the character concerns the problem that i have is i don't have a measurement system for character 
But I see a lot of people in the fantasy football community seem to have a measurement system for character, and that's just not something I have. I mean, if there's a device out there or a technology that's been invented to measure character, I would love to implement it at playerprofiler.com, but I'm not aware of it, Carl. Are you? Uh, if if it, if there were, it would be some sort of algorithm that judges your tweets, and I would be horrible at it. <laughs> I think Carl and I have had a dispute on this topic once before, but hey, Carl, we got a buzzard email, and it kind of circulates the topic that we're on right now. Nate, that is not the buzzard sounder. That's the sounder for the guest line. Someone important is calling the Sonic Truth Podcast. Welcome to the Sonic Truth Podcast. Jeremy McNichols, running back, Boise State. Where are you at right now? Where are you at with your headspace? We're a week away from the draft. It's exciting, right? This is an exciting time. Yeah, super excited. I'm in. Uh, I'm actually in Boise right now at uh, the place I've been staying for the last year and a half. I can tell you that we run a fantasy football podcast and website, a whole enterprise, really. It's, it's a really big deal. There's this whole concept in fantasy called Dynasty Leagues, where you draft the rookies as they're coming into the league, and you know they're with you for as long as you want to have them on your team. So it's really important to have someone like Ezekiel Elliott, for example, last year. He won people leagues, right? Right. So we're super into evaluating rookies. So we do a lot of this NFL draft analysis. And I can tell you that we are massive Jeremy McNichol fans, which is why you know we reached out to you and your people to try to get you on the show. We're very metrics based, very analytics based. And the Jeremy McNichols profile continues to dominate the other running backs in this class. And specifically, your fluidity in the passing game and just your ability to dominate in the passing game has been something that we've talked about. Absolutely. Jeremy McNichols is definitely known as one of the top pass catchers in the class. So it's something that we like to cite, especially when we're comparing to other players that we're looking for that same skill set in. Is that something that you work tirelessly on, catching passes, doing drills? Or have you found that maybe since high school, just catching passes just came natural to you, Jeremy? Yeah, so, I mean, just me playing receiver in high school for three years and then moving to running back my senior year of high school and then uh, coming into college, splitting time between running back and and uh, and receiver um, is why I feel so comfortable catching the ball up the backfield. Um, I just feel like whatever team I go to, they can line me up anywhere and I can be effective. Anywhere. Love it. Anywhere. I honestly think I could be a starting slot receiver, starting receiver in the NFL if I was the, you know, that was my, my position. That's that's just how confident I am in playing both positions. I think the word I used was smooth, talking about you catching passes. <laughs> I've seen these routes where the ball was underthrown, but you don't slow down. You just choose to instead just reach back and catch the ball like out of your back pocket and then just tuck it away and you don't ever lose momentum. That was one of the most impressive catches by a running back I saw all year. How would you describe your running style when you're taking a handoff? Walk us through how you attack the line of scrimmage, generally speaking. Oh uh, Yeah, so I'm always like, my eyes are always on the defense. You know, I get to play. I know it's a run play. Um, I know my reads right away. Um, I'm looking at the safeties. Where the safeties at? You know, where are they? Are they rolling? Um, 
what kind of front, what kind of defensive front is it? Is it three down, four down? They're in like a bear formation. And then I just get the ball. I trust my reads. I trust my blockers. I set up the linebackers to get to the line of scrimmage so then those double teams can come off and my linemen can block those guys. And then, I mean, from there, it's, it's just all instincts. Are you familiar with the comparison of you to David Johnson, that that's a thing, that's a thing people talk about? Did you know that? Yeah, and, you know, just when people people ask me what type of game I have, I think it's a David Johnson type of game. You yeah. Know? I mean, he's, <laughs> nice. he's a little bigger than me, but at the end of the day, you know, I feel like our games are, are very similar, and, and we are in the same situation coming from small schools. You know, our names aren't that big right now. Um, coming out, we're coming out. And, uh, you know, he's got to make us a name for ourselves. And he's done that. And I feel conf- confident enough to do that when I get my chance. I think that you're the most pro-ready, multi-dimensional back in this class. Would you agree with that? I, I do. I think I think I can do everything. I can run. I can block. Um, I can catch. I can play all special teams. Um, I just think I'm very complete. And I got a, a lot to still learn and a lot to still develop. And, um, you know, I'm excited about that. And the numbers prove this. The the numbers agree with this. Looking at the productivity numbers and the efficiency numbers, when you were at Boise State the last two seasons, you were the most productive running back in all of college football. And you were one of the best athletes at the running back position at the NFL Scouting Combine. So for me, if I'm thinking about, if I'm putting myself in your shoes I would find it maddening, given that resume, that you do not have the same kind of first-round buzz that many of the other running backs do, Leonard Fournette, Dalvin Cook. Is that frustrating? Yeah, it is, because, you know, (laughs) I think I put up, you know, similar, if not better number than than most of them over the last two years, and, um, you know, I just think it it goes back to to the school that I play for, a smaller school, and, you know, they, they overlook those type of guys coming out all the time year in and year out but um i just want my opportunity and i feel like once i get my opportunity i'm gonna shine and you know everybody that doubted me will eventually respect my game all right hey jeremy there's something i gotta say because this is this is pretty funny so i have a buddy who is a long time big oregon beavers fan and he asked me what game did i want to go to on their schedule last year <laughs> And I told him, I want to go to the Boise State game because I want to watch Jeremy McNichols play. Do you remember how badly you carved up that defense? Yeah, I do. I do. I felt something special. You know, they was the fans was talking too much. And, and <laughs> I just, you know, they got in there. I was just a little irritated about that. So, I mean, I just had to take off. Oh, man. You guys were up like 32 to nothing at halftime. I remember it was it was unreal. Everybody's head was in their hands. I think. It looks here that you had 28 carries for 208 yards, three rushing touchdowns, four catches for 20 yards, and a receiving touchdown. Right. That's got to be the best game on the year. So it was just, it was fun to be there. And it was just hilarious because I was telling this guy in advance, I go, Jeremy McNichols is a special player on this team. You got to watch this guy. And then you just ended up being one of the biggest reasons that they got carved up that day. Wait, did you just tell that story so you could told you so Jeremy McNichols? Was that the point of that story? That's high five myself right there, man. (laughs) What are you doing? (laughs) So when you switched to running back, that's interesting to me. So you're playing wide receiver in high school. How does that conversation go, that decision to move from wide receiver to running back? Uh, basically, I transferred 
and the coach brought me into the office and said, "Do you want the Do you want the ball twenty times or do you want the ball five times?" I said, "I want the ball twenty times." So he's like, "Okay, then you're playing running back," and uh, that's all she wrote. You switched high schools, and their scheme was run heavy. And you said, "If you're going to go run heavy, I want to be the one running the ball." Period. Right, 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 exactly. So I love it. So that's a my ball mentality. People like the my ball mentality. They also like the downhill runner who's not afraid of contact. I think that's something that scouts often like as well. The one criticism I've heard of you is that once you get to the second level, you seek contact too much, that you lack the creativity and you don't hit those horizontal vectors on the second level and instead just try to take out the safety is that something that you're consciously doing trying to unleash punishment on the second level are you worried about being too creative um no i, want, I do want to punish those safeties just because you know in the third and fourth quarter i know they're not going to tap me when i break to the second level but yeah i i have seen some of the plays that they they're talking about where I could have just made one move, beat the safety instead of running them over. Um, so I, like I, I worked on that. I work on that stuff in my game, and I know my flaws, and I know what people are saying, and things like that. So I, I worked on it, and um, I feel like I will get some more wiggle to me on the second le- second level. Wiggle on the second level. Yeah, <laughs> I remember. Do you know where else I read that same scouting report criticism on the David Johnson profile? <laughs> exactly that's something that you'll develop into i'm sure when you were at the nfl scouting combine and you were looking at the other running backs in this class right who was that one guy where you looked at him at the combine and said oh 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 okay this is a man right here i think someone was off this alignment you know (laughs) yeah all of them look like grown men you know, and, you know, coming from a small school like that, they like all our linemen didn't look like that. So <laughs> it looked like Cam Robinson. Right. Yeah. I seen like when I see Cam, <laughs> you know, he's like six, seven. I'm just like, man, he's a tower, you know. So those <laughs> those good. those guys were, were, were really big. And I was like, wow, this is what the NFL linemen look like. I like to run right now. Now, when we talk about comparing running backs, one of the other running backs you often get compared to is Christian McCaffrey because of the versatility. But you're bigger than Christian McCaffrey. You're 10 pounds heavier than Christian McCaffrey. But when you're watching him play, as I'm sure you do, how the hell does a little guy like that, how is he that productive? How? I mean, I like like Christian McCaffrey game. You know, I got to catch a few games from him last year. And um, I just think, like, his vision and and his patience and and the way he sets up those defenders and make them look stupid sometimes is, is why he's so good and, you know, you can't just always stack the box against him because he can run down the seam or, or beat your linebacker one-on-one to the boundary and, and take it for 60. So um, I just think defenses didn't know how to, to game plan against him. Carl, do you have a question for him? Carl is gone. Carl has checked out. He realized that Jeremy McNichols was on the stage and the bright lights were on him. Oh, we lost Carl. That's too bad. I think it was a hang-up. We'll have to try to get Carl back, or maybe the Skype just decided, listen, I think this is fine <laughs> with Jeremy McNichols. We don't need Carl anymore. All right, I'll get you out of here on this last question. I've gone to war with this particular comparison. For the record, who's a better running back, Jeremy McNichols or Dante Foreman? I mean, I think I'm a better running back. I mean... I feel like I could do it all. Um, 
I can I can receive I can catch the ball for 100 yards. I can run for rush for 100 yards any given Sunday. I did it in college, so I feel confident enough to do it at the next level. So I just think just my versatility separates me from a lot of guys. Yeah, I think you could be Melvin Gordon and rush 250 times between the tackles, or you could be Theo Riddick and absorb 100 targets. Either way, however an offensive coordinator wants to deploy you, you are going to win in whatever position you're put in on the football field at the next level. All the best. Hope you land with a great offense, with a great quarterback, Jeremy. Good luck. Yeah, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me. Wow. Freaking McNichols. That just happened? This this show is so great and so bad and so many levels. I was a little bit too much of a fanboy, I have to admit. Dude, to be honest with you, you asked him some great questions. I was kind of hoping on the question about who was the guy that was like the biggest man. I was hoping he would, you know, Leonard Fournette or like talk about another running back. He won't. Then he hits you with the O-line. No, but he said he's... He won't say anything good about another running back. I love this guy. He's so competitive. Yeah, I know. He will not say... Uh, kind word about a competitor that's tremendous he said he's better than Deontay Foreman all right so I tried to Skype Carl we'll we'll tell Carl to get back on if he can if not oh well we have priorities here Jeremy McNichols is a priority I have a whole list of questions many of them were difficult questions and all I was doing during that interview was just crossing off the difficult questions going oh by the way Jeremy I think you're the best running back ever No, I like that that you hit him with the vector question and you acted like that came from anybody but you like anybody else was saying that he's so here's the best part. I don't know that that's necessarily true. I just think he's a running back that looks for contact on the second level and that's fine. He does. It's it's a legit criticism and he verified he's like, I know it's my weakness. I know. I know, but it was funny because you brought it up to Fusu Vu that one time, and he was like, oh, yeah, and I'm like, why are you pantomiming to him? Don't You don't have to agree with it. And then you say it to McNichols, and McNichols says it too, so it must be true. I- yeah, McNichols agreed, man. He agreed. Amazing. That was that oh, was amazing. I, I agreed with that. I have to go back, and I'm going to go back and do some editing and, and edit out a little bit of my gushing. Eh, it's all right. Over McNichols. I mean, the setups were just gross. I, you know, the audience must feel gross listening to me try to uh, soften up Jeremy McNichols. I tried to soften him up. I wanted him to feel comfortable, and, and then and then we'll hit him with a couple hard questions. And uh, And he was great. He was great. I'm glad you didn't say something like, how do you respond when somebody calls the conference that you play in not good enough? Imagine if I'd asked him that. Is your conference dog shit? Right. Because that's what (laughs) Nate said. I I was glad that I was able to rip you for the one question that you asked. I was able to rip you on it. He acknowledged the fact that his conference, he can call it overlooked, but there is definitely something that goes along with playing in a conference like that. He's a good player, though. Does Carl think that we brought him on just to make fun of him, to tell him that he's indistinguishable from Jeff Miller. Do you think he thinks that? I don't know. I told him that him and Jeff Miller should do what married couples do on Facebook and make a joint account <laughs> and make it the Jeff Miller, Carl Safchik <laughs> account to save people time. Oh, man. It's in there. It's in the tape reel somewhere. I'm back. Welcome back, Carl. Just in time. I didn't know how long y'all were going to be, and I'm at this family members thing but uh, it's cool i'm good we kicked it to you to ask jeremy a question and you weren't there (laughs) (laughs) that's appropriate (laughs) all right so let's do some contrived dichotomies contrived dichotomy better gadget player curtis samuel or evan ingram 
So I almost feel like you guys are like giving me a trick question because you want me to pick the wrong side and you want to make fun of me. But like it's it's obviously Evan Ingram, right? <laughs> so you think Evan Ingram is a better prospect than Curtis Samuel? Period. Yeah, I, I don't really. I mean, Evan, like, I mean, obviously, I, I research these players on Player Profiler just so I am in the scope of the conversation when we're talking about athletic phenoms, and that's precisely what Evan Ingram is. Uh, Curtis Samuel probably has a best case scenario of Randall Cobb, but might have a worst case scenario of many others, many other running back slash wide receiver. Uh, like quote unquote offensive weapons, uh, Denard Robinson. Uh, you saw it with like Percy Harvin, although he was kind of Tavon Austin. Yeah, Tavon Austin. Obviously, Ty Montgomery has done a better job of it than most. But that's kind of what I see when I see Curtis Samuel. Not that I don't like him as a player. I think he's a better fit for college. But Evan Ingram has the ceiling of one of the best move tight ends in the league. He does. I like Curtis Samuel because he runs that four three one, and that does inspire the imagination, particularly at the running back position. If they can put him at running back and he can be in a Ty Montgomery role or a Theo Riddick role in a high-volume, efficient offense, then I like Curtis Samuel a lot. I also just like getting playmaker running backs. They're so hard to find. It's much easier to find a productive wide receiver on the waiver wire the idea that you can uncover a gem like a Ty Montgomery or a Theo Riddick that excites me Evan Ingram is absolutely a tweener and the tweener prototype at the tight end position is wrought with failure lots of Doran Dickerson's and Tim Wright's in that archetype that's the problem with Evan Ingram I don't know if the term gadget player is necessarily a fair term in this case. I think when you're talking about Curtis Samuel, one's a gadget player, one's a tweener. We want to get technical with our labeling system. I would say that Samuel's a gadget player and Ingram's a tweener. And I would almost rather have the gadget player in hopes he converts to running back where he can be useful. I think Evan Ingram is a big slot receiver and when it comes to Curtis Samuel he just doesn't have a lot of production in any one area it's I mean it's very diversified the way he was used he's really good at a lot of you know he was top 15 in college football in yards from scrimmage Curtis Samuel I believe it I mean he the guy can do everything I, I'm I'm not saying that I disagree I, I'm you love Curtis Samuel this this question was set up for you and Carl to fight and I'm fighting your battles there's no fight to be had here. I like Evan Ingram. Yeah, he's a tweener tight end or he's going to be a big slot. He'll be effective either way, but he's more of a move tight end. Where's the evidence that that archetype has been effective in the NFL outside of Jordan Reed, one guy? Jordan Reed, Hernandez was that guy. Um, the move tight end is becoming very, uh, it's becoming more prominent than the uh, theoretic Ty Montgomery. I'd rather have the Jordan Reed, Niles Paul, I see that that's your comp. Um, I don't know that I like that comp outside of just athleticism, which is obviously what you're measuring. Uh, but Well, Niles Paul played wide receiver at Nebraska. Right. It, it, he was a converted, converted tight end, of course, yes. So that is, that is an okay comp. Uh, you know, you could say Darren Waller is another uh, player who didn't live up to that. But I think that Evan Ingram, I, I think that the move tight end – is definitely becoming more of a part of the NFL than 
the gadget running back slash wide receiver, and I would lean towards wide receiver with Curtis Samuel, and that's why it upsets me. You're kind of like hoping that he converts to a running back and has some PPR value. When we're talking dynasty, I don't know that the Ty Montgomery and Theo Riddick last a very long time. That's a great point. I'm actually hoping he converts to running back, where in your case, you like the fact that Evan Ingram already made the transition. So that's absolutely fair. Next contrived dichotomy. Contrived dichotomy. Cooper Cup or Ishmael Zamora. So I feel like this is kind of a another trick question, and I, I got to give you guys credit for what you've come up with to ask me here because Cooper Cup and Zamora, they couldn't be more different in terms of what we're looking at for a wide receiver. And Well, well, once you hear the Jeremy McNichols interview, which you weren't here for because you were too busy, <laughs> Kill. You'll understand that I am great at crafting questions. So, I was there for most of it. (laughs) (laughs) Eh, A a little bit of it. (laughs) So, I didn't know how long you were going to be. You were there while I was sucking his cock? Yeah. He was fangirling over him, and you knew it was going to go a little while. I hope he hears that part of, like, I hope he listens to the whole podcast. And he hears that you performed fellatio over the airwaves. It was embarrassing. I felt dirty while I was doing it, but yet so good, too. It was dirty and great. The fact that I didn't listen to all of it, I hope we get back to the Devonta Foreman versus Jeremy McNichols. But as far as Cooper Cup and Zamora goes, I, I, I feel like they're like two totally different career trajectories. Cooper Cup, I think, will be successful in the NFL. I, I think that it's... I think he'll play for, you know, I think he'll have a solid four to five plus year career. And I think that that's actually a lot to put on any player because most players don't have a five plus year career. I think uh, as far as uh, Ishmael Zamora goes. Yeah. What could have been for Austin Colley had he not suffered so many concussions? Sure. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. He was, was he a late first round pick or am I thinking of? Anthony Gonzalez, which was another Colts white wide receiver. With the last pick in the first round, the Indianapolis Colts select the irrelevant Anthony Gonzalez from Ohio State. As far as Zamora goes, if I'm comfortable wasting a pick, and I want to preface what I want to say with if I'm comfortable wasting a pick, because that is what you could be doing. If I'm comfortable with that, to risk for the upside that I could get if he develops into what he could be, then I would be comfortable taking Zamora. That's fair. That's fair. If you have a team that's deep at wide receiver, you go Zamora. If you're thin at wide receiver, you go Cup. Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. Would you agree? I think that's fair because I think that Cup's going to get drafted at least two rounds earlier than Zamora, and because of the draft capital, he will have much more opportunity to succeed. They will stick with him like the Green Bay Packers stuck with Devontae Adams through inefficient seasons, I don't think Ishmael Zamora is going to have that luxury. Dichotomy. Dante Foreman versus Jeremy McNichols. Nate already mentioned earlier, we got into, I, I don't even remember the Joe Mixon argument, 
But so here, here I, here I'll go. Uh, I remember there was one. I just don't remember. This we one. talked about Joe Mixon earlier, Carl. Why are you bringing up Mixon here? Well, because Nate mentioned that he and I got into a debate on Twitter, and I don't even remember what it was about, but I knew it was about Mixon. Stop so it, Carl. Wanted, you know it's why stung. is he? Why are you a masochist? Why are you bringing Mixon? But we, you successfully sidestepped the Mixon debate. I thought you did it deftly, and now you're bringing it back. Are you trying to get hit in the head with a baseball here? What are you doing? All right, back to Foreman. I don't like <laughs> Foreman. That's what? Why, that's why I wanted to further my my rivalry with with Nate. I, wow. I just I'm not a Foreman guy. Yes. And the thing is, with Foreman and McNichols, I don't think you're going to have to make that decision. I think Foreman goes in the NFL draft higher and in dynasty league drafts higher. DLF ranks Dante Foreman. 14th overall, not running back overall. They rank Jeremy McNichols 32nd overall. Get out! Stop it! I just pulled it. I just pulled it. What ranking service is this? <laughs> Dr. Foreman is ranked as their 202, while McNichols is a late third-round pick in Dynasty drafts, according to DLF. Matt Waldman... Blasphemy! Who I like. I like Matt Waldman. He has Dr. Foreman as his running back eight. He has Jeremy McNichols as his running back 19. So while I'm here to say I would prefer Jeremy McNichols, I'm also here to say I don't think you have to make that decision. That's not that's not what this was, Carl. You can't fall back on the on the protected barrier of I'm not going to have to make this decision. You have to make No, he said he likes Jeremy McNichols. It's two against one. He likes McNichols for all the obvious reasons. McNichols gave us all the reasons why he's better than Dante Foreman. In fact, we asked him the same contrived dichotomy, who's better, Dante Foreman or Jeremy McNichols, and Jeremy McNichols answered definitively Jeremy McNichols. That's weird. So this is over. This debate is over. It's never going to be over. Matt Waldman absolutely needs to reassess his entire methodology if he has Jeremy McNichols at 19. That's just bad. That's like back when Fusu Vu had Leonard Fournette ranked around 14 or something. You can't have these guys ranked that far out. I can't name seven running backs I like more than Jeremy McNichols, let alone 18 more. Are there 18 in the draft? I can't name seven more running backs than Jeremy McNichols. <laughs> it's irresponsible. What it is is it's intentionally provocative to put the most productive running back of the last two years in slot 19 because the stats don't matter. All that matters is what I saw on tape, and what I saw on tape wasn't impressive. I don't care about production. I like Waldman. I love Waldman. Matt Waldman's one of my favorite people in this entire industry, but his running back rankings are incompetent. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, let's see how bad his quarterback rankings are. Here's another one for you. Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes, who can throw a football 700 miles an hour. What do you got, Carl? I like Mahomes, and I, and I feel like y'all are putting me in a position because Mahomes is maybe my second-ranked quarterback, but Watson's my first, and Matt, I know you hate. Deshaun Watson, but what? he had the college QBR in the 90 percentile. He had a breakout age of, of 20, while Mahomes was 19. So while we're comparing the two, I have to be fair to, to Mahomes. But Watson sustained success at Clemson versus high-level competition, high-level defenses. And uh, even even your guy, uh, Kevin McHugh, did I say that correctly? Kevin McHugh wrote, a, wrote an article, a, a greatly worded article, 
over at playerprofiler.com with the title, Deshaun Watson, simply hashtag good at football. And look, I'm the first one to tell you. I, it's a puff piece. I started this show off by saying that I'm not, I, I can't develop my film watching skills of college football players and develop that into a conscious ranking for NFL football. But Deshaun Watson is what I see as a good NFL quarterback. I know you disagree. I know you're you're looking at the trajectory of the football and the miles per hour. And Nate even mentioned how Mahomes can throw a football through the uprights on his knees from seventy yards away, like Kyle Bowler. And I don't want to. I don't want to. Kyle Bowler, come on. That's not. That's not my comparison. You're besmirching the good name of Patrick Mahomes. When we talk about football speed and this and that, Mahomes could be my quarterback too. I'm actually pretty comfortable putting Trubisky and Kaiser in on the back burners, at least for the sake of this conversation, if not totally behind them anyway. But Watson's my quarterback one in this in this class. Let me admit something to you real quick. When I first heard that there was a quarterback at Notre Dame named Kaiser, I just assumed he was German. Kaiser. I mean, what? Right? I mean, much to my surprise, not German. The Sean Kaiser Soze. Right. I got to agree with the take that uh, Jeff just had. I like what he said about Deshaun Watson and his profile. Did you do that on purpose? What? That's Carl, not Jeff. What I say? You called him Jeff. Oh, dude, I'm sorry, man. I, you know, I'm just still really bummed out that he didn't join the show. You know, I thought I was thinking, whoa, Jeff Miller and Jeremy McNichols, same initials would have been a great show. I'm sorry, Carl. That's my bad. He's a guest on the show. Could you please not badger him like this? I'm sorry. I have his phone number. I have his phone number if you'd rather speak to him. Is that possible? We're patching in Jeff Miller now. Oh, no. Anyways, all right. I, I like Mahomes' physical tools. Matt Kelly and I had a debate a couple weeks ago, and I, I was brought a little more to the light when we started discussing the miles per hour of quarterback arm speed. And there is a definite relevance there. And Mahomes has a cannon, whether he can reel it in or not. He has incredible college production. But what I do love about Deshaun Watson is what we talked about a few weeks ago. He's got the resume. He's played in the big games. He's produced. And his college production's been great along with it. And he may be a little arid downfield sometimes. He has been known to throw some picks. But Deshaun Watson is a definite talent in this draft. Pro tip for Deshaun Watson. Do not attend the draft. Whatever you do, do not attend the draft. You do not want to be the guy the cameras are zooming in on between picks 20 and 32, not getting drafted, not getting drafted, not getting drafted. Sweat is pouring down your face. Uh Not Uh getting drafted, not getting drafted. You don't want to be that guy. It's not a good look. Stay at home, Deshaun Watson. Stay home. Carl Safchik seems to disagree. Carl, are are you about to interject and say that you believe that Deshaun Watson is a first-round pick? And before you answer that question, I would like to say that Matt Kelly did say that Deshaun Watson deserves to play in the CFL. Carl, the floor is yours. Yeah, I I saw that. Um, I think that there's a greater chance that he doesn't succeed in the NFL than there is a chance that he doesn't go in the first round. Yeah, trying to figure that one out. I gotta let that sink in. So what I'm saying is, there's a there's a better chance that Matt is correct on Deshaun Watson, and that he won't have a successful NFL career, than there is a chance that NFL talent evaluators agree with him. 
recent mocks like NFL.com's Daniel Jeremiah have Patrick Mahomes as the second quarterback taken after Mitchell Trubisky. No Deshaun Watson in the first round, according to Daniel Jeremiah. Yeah, because you would quote Daniel Jeremiah to it's like you you would accept me quoting Daniel Jeremiah to like for me to try to make a point, right? No, I would never. That's called confirmation bias. I only pay attention to the mocks that confirm my assumptions. All right, Carl, here's a question. I came on here and I said Daniel Jeremiah has Dante Foreman as a better running back than Jeremy McNichols. Matt would let that fly. He would be totally okay with that, right? I would be. Never, ever. I'd be fine with it. All right, we need to get to another question. Can we get off this question? I think we've spun around enough on this. We've now drilled ourselves into the ground. Should Dalvin Cook have faked an injury before the combine like Corey Davis? (laughs) What am I I doing? Is this... Is this like, should he have lied about his age like Kevin White's agent? Yes, that's a great question. Yeah, should Kelvin Benjamin have lied about his age like Kevin White did? Yes. Well, he's- But the question is, Dalvin Cook, he did himself no favors at the Combine. He should have known that he wasn't going to test well and skip the Combine workouts, at least. That's my take. Do you agree? Well, yeah, it would have been beneficial if, if he didn't work out in the combine, sure. We should have asked McNichols that, by the way. We should have asked McNichols if he thinks Dalvin Cook should have skipped the combine. Fuck. Can we go back? Can we get him back on the line? Let me, let me, try, to, let me try to dial him back in. Hold on. Let me get him back. He's Okay, he's back on the line. I have him. I have him back. I have him back. Uh, hey, Jeremy McNichols, thanks for joining us again. Sorry to bring you back. I know we're annoying at this point. Question, do you think that Dalvin Cook should have skipped the combine given his abysmal agility score and burst score? Yeah, he definitely should have skipped the combine, yeah. I killed the combine. Dalvin Cook did not kill the combine. Dalvin Cook should have skipped the combine. Don't go to the combine if Jeremy McNichols is in the combine. You're not going to look nearly as athletic as Jeremy McNichols. It's so let's go through a timeline of this show so far. You brought me on saying that I was the second choice to Jeff Miller. I didn't say then second you, choice. I'm pretty sure that's how it was framed. Then, then I got knocked off for Jeremy McNichols. Then a question about Dalvin Cook. I got knocked off for fake Jeremy McNichols after that. <laughs> For the record, I don't even know who Jeff Miller is. This is a Nate bit only. I don't even know this Jeff Miller person. All I know is Carl Sapchuk. He's my man with the Dynasty One podcast. Let's go back to the question. Another question. CJ Proceis, is he the back to own in Seattle? Yes, but you shouldn't be owning any Seattle backs just yet. That is too crowded of a situation to invest in CJ Proceis right now. Uh, midway throughout the season, I think would present a better buying opportunity. And I'm not a big believer in Eddie Lacy or Rawls, but they will get their shot. Therefore, ProSice's price will become lower at some point, at probably at all points during the season. I could see like a week eight buying window, which is much lower than it is right now. Look, as a Seattle fan and native, I got to say, I, I love ProSize's skill set, and there were some injuries that slowed him down, obviously. But Seattle's brought Eddie Lacy in with the intentions to be the starter here, and, and he's going to definitely be given every opportunity to take that role. 
Now, CJ Procise is clearly a very skilled running back and an elite change of pace talent. Change of pace talent? No, I'm just saying, excuse me, passing down back is what I meant to say. He's 220 pounds. Stop calling him a change of pace talent. That's insulting. Change of pace just... CJ Procise listens to the show. He's good friends with Jeremy McNichols. That's fine. Change of pace doesn't mean a player that's slight in size. Change of pace just means the, the player behind the starter. And so... I don't mean that as a negative to Procise. He's a great pass catcher, and he'll absolutely snag that role. But remember, Eddie Lacy's been good as a receiver as well, and Seattle is probably going to want to try to keep him on the field. I like Procise to split out wide and to see what they try to do with these two guys, and Procise has the most upside of any of these running backs, but I wouldn't be surprised if Eddie Lacy leads the team in carries and total points at the end of the year. So this is a very, very, very poor man's Atlanta Falcons backfield where C.J. Procise is in the Tevin. Coleman role is that what you're saying sure sure and it could be greater than that he could be utilized a little differently as well greater than Tevin Coleman sure what are you saying they love CJ Procise what I'm saying is that Eddie Lacy will probably secure the first and second down running back position assuming that Uh, he doesn't screw it up somehow or get hurt but somehow CJ Procise will outproduce Tevin Coleman anyway back to Carl who's more prime for a Todd Gurley leveling out year Jordan Howard or Jay Ajayi? I would say, uh, okay, so the one thing, okay, let's go back two years ago to the 2015 draft. Do we remember why Ajayi dropped? What what was the, at the very least, what was the narrative? Why did he drop? You guys remember, right? Knee issues. Right, but the knee issues weren't like, we think that his knee, knee will keep him off the field in year one or two. It was that, it is a degenerative knee issue. So if there's a player, and I don't think, I'm not comparing comparing it to Todd Gurley because it's not a drop in play, but that knee issue was a problem for NFL GMs and coaches and NFL organizations because they thought it was going to be a long-term issue. So while we can overlook that early in his in his career, I don't, and I, I hate to play doctor when it comes to dynasty. Yeah, you're not a doctor. You look nothing like a doctor. You sound nothing like a doctor. Don't play one on TV. I've... No one would ever confuse Carl Safchuk with a doctor. No, they might I, confuse I Jeff have... Miller with a doctor, though. He looks like a doctor, right? Stop with the Jeff Miller. A little bit. All right. Why are you doing this? That was a terrible joke. No, it wasn't. You guys didn't give me air. That was awful. Go on, Carl. I'm on Carl's side with this whole Jeff Miller nonsense. You said you don't even know who Jeff Miller is. That's part of the problem. I don't get the joke. I slightly get it. I agree it's a bad joke. Can we move on? Yes, we'll move on. Are we continuing to stash either Amir Abdullah or Jarek McKinnon, these hyper-athletic RBs? Yeah, but I'd rather stash McKinnon because it seems like Abdullah's price is still sort of high, even though he's been outproduced by uh, Theo Riddick. They've had Zach Zenner actually produce more. Oh, don't mention Zach Zenner around Nate List. This is bad. Oh, man. Shirt's coming off. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I have Zach Zenner on the line. Oh, hey, Zach Zenner. Uh, Nate List wants to ask you a few questions. Give us a little room. Are you naked right now? 
Good. How many push-ups can you do? All right. So keep going, Carl. Sorry. I wanted to give Matt a little bit of credit because I do give him shit whenever possible. So I have to give him a little bit of credit. If we if we rewind back a couple of years ago when um, Amir Abdullah and Tevin Coleman and Duke Johnson, that was the same class, right? Duke Johnson. Such a great running back class. All those were kind of in the same tier of players. Uh, the one player that Matt preferred was Tevin Coleman, and of those four or five players in that group, you, I guess you could I guess you could count David Johnson. I don't I don't I don't remember how high you were on David Johnson, but Tevin Coleman has outperformed Abdullah, who you mentioned, uh, has outperformed T.J. Yeldon, has outperformed Duke Johnson. Uh, so got to give a little bit of credit where credit's due there. Yeah, I love Tevin Coleman, Duke Johnson, and David Johnson. My whole bit, my bit for an entire year was I want all the Johnsons. I'm grabbing all the Johnsons. Remember that? Oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was I'm getting Tevin Coleman. If I can't get Tevin Coleman, I'm just grabbing a Johnson. Wherever I can get my hands on a Johnson, I want to grab a Johnson. Let, just one that. thing about Abdullah. You, I know, Carl, you pointed out the fact that his, his cost right now is still really high. There's no discount for injury with Amir Abdullah, right? So there's there's been no discount. He was really productive his first year in the league. The issue that I always saw was the fumbling with Amir Abdullah. And so who knows if he's going to be able to retain that role or if he's going to end up one of these guys that's intermittently getting put in the doghouse and there's trust issues. So, yeah, I agree. I think I'm on the other side with you in this, even though I just ripped McKinnon on the last episode. I think the fear with Abdullah is now a little bit of health and, and the fumbling issues, and I think that went back to college as well. I think that McKinnon is the arbitrage play on Amir Abdullah. I'd rather have McKinnon at his price point than Amir Abdullah. I agree with Carl, and I guess I agree with Nate, even though he didn't really make a point that had any kind of relevance. (laughs) 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 You should go work for Matt Waldman. Oh, man. (laughs) Is Brandon Cooks a wide receiver one in fantasy in New England? No, unless we're talking best ball. I love that take. Right there. Boom. Cutting that. That's the take. More underrated. Willie Sneed or Jamison Crowder? I like I like both of them. I think that you guys probably asked this question because I think they're both underrated. I think Willie Sneed is more underrated. Uh, but you're a Washington fan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, no homerism for Carl Safchik. I'm impressed. I'm impressed with this Carl Safchik. He's a much better fantasy analyst than this Jeff Miller person you people keep referring to. Mm. The old... Mm-hmm. The only team I claim any homerism towards, and yes, I am a Washington fan, the only team I claim any homerism towards is Clemson. So you could have totally used that and trashed me on the Deshaun Watson take. But I, I'm not a big Mike Williams fan. No one is, really. Get in line. So what was the question again? <laughs> you were going to talk about how Willie Sneed's incredibly underrated and everyone in Dynasty is an idiot for sleeping on Willie Sneed. Do you believe that? You don't, You totally don't strike me as a Willie Sneed guy. I love Willie Sneed because he was incredibly dominant at the college level and just didn't get an opportunity. He's one of those great cases for college dominance eventually winning despite having no draft capital. If you land in the best situation possible, which is where he's landed, how can you not be buying that player? I think he could outperform Michael Thomas this season in fantasy. That might be a little bit of a stretch. Uh, you might be doing the, the there might be a little bit of bad michael thomas residue left in your brain <laughs> oh no, fair enough wow <laughs> but willie sneed I, I think i did a study on him 
if we considered him a rookie, which I, I know that's a little bit of a stretch, if we considered him a rookie his second year, since he didn't play at all his first year, I think he had like the 19th best fantasy season. I, I'm I'm doing that off the top of my head, but it was, I mean, extre- it was a pretty historical fantasy season for a rookie if he were a rookie. I know he, he wasn't. Was he a rookie, Carl, or was he not? He was not. He was a second-year <laughs> player that got his first opportunity. So um, I'd rather have him, at least, and again, at price point, because there's a lot of people hyping up Jamison Crowder right now, and for good reason, there's a lot of targets gone from the Washington offense, and we know Jordan Reed is one concussion away and hasn't been able to prove himself on the field, uh, or prove himself to stay on the field. Uh, We're putting a lot of eggs in the Josh Doxson, who I know that you guys like, and I'm a big Josh Doxson fan as well. Terrell Pryor, who's coming into a new offense and working already diligently with Kirk Cousins in the offseason. But Crowder's the Crowder's the mainstay there. Crowder's the slot guy that's going to get a ton of targets. So I like him as well, but Willie Sneed is in the perfect situation going into what I would call essentially his third year. A lot of people believe in a three-year breakout. I mean, have you ever seen a wide receiver land in a better situation inadvertently no just because no he happened to sign with the saints last year and then they trade away their number one receiver the highest volume offense with the best quarterback we've seen in a generation he might be the best quarterback of all time for producing fantasy football stats right the best fantasy quarterback we've ever seen <laughs> I, mean, I mean this is like a make a wish right <laughs> like yes yeah it was like everybody's just moving out of his way allowing (laughs) the perfect situation i've ever seen for a player he has he is the cut in line pass of wide receivers who is the best wide receiver target for the final rounds of dynasty leagues oh i love this question i'm so prepared you guys ready do you want your minds blown on this I'm ready for a mind-blowing answer. Dontrell Inman. I love it. I love it. Dontrell Inman is going in the last round, in the 20th round of Dynasty League football mocks. Uh, he's in the 70th percentile of height-adjusted speed score, 90 cent, 97th percent agility, 86th percent catch radius. He has uh, 16 college uh, yards per reception, which is 69th percentile. That's hashtag nice. 13.8 in the pros. Uh, he had 12, 35, and 58 receptions in 14, 15, and 16, respectively. So he's basically doubled up in that, you know, doubled up in receptions each year. What does he have to do? What does Dontrell Inman have to do to be well regarded in dynasty leagues and in football circles generally? This is a good receiver. I mean, he is filling in for Keenan Allen admirably in the Keenan Allen role in succeeding, why does no one appreciate Dontrell Inman? Uh, he had 810 yards last year. I mean, this is in his... Uh, now, he is a he is 28 years old. He's a very young 28 years old. This is his fourth year as a uh, NFL player. So I, I get it. People look at the age. They don't really do any research into his... 28 a bad thing for him is 28 just a number for him and I think for him it's just a number you mentioned this Matt last year about Josh Doxson how his age entering the NFL is much different than it is for Kelvin Benjamin entering the NFL because of breakout age 
Right. He broke out technically at Wyoming with Dontrell Inman. This is what I love. Pick what you don't like about Dontrell Inman. Do you like guys with great hands because of receivers that had 100 or more targets? He had close 97. A 4.1% drop rate is incredibly low. Oh, what do you like? Air yards? You're an air yards guy? Well, okay. 600 air yards was 33rd in the NFL. So whatever metric you want to use, there's nothing not to like about Dontrell Inman. He's efficient when called upon, and he's 28 years old. He's in his prime, and he's competing for targets with Keenan Allen, a player he's very similar to, and a couple other players who you could argue he has more experience and he's been more efficient than Tyrell Williams and Travis Benjamin. I, I think Matt hit the nail on the head. It's He's he's a guy, and, and this isn't a guy, we're not talking about somebody that you need to put all your faith in. We're talking about, again, last, last round of a dynasty draft type guy. And I think he qualifies given his current ADP. I think as long as he's with the Chargers, it does hurt a little bit. I mean, you're going to have Keenan Allen coming back. You've heard that the Chargers are looking to add a pass-catching back behind Melvin Gordon. You've got Hunter Henry that's going to start to come out a little bit more. You know, it, it just depends on how many targets are going to be available. He he may be a guy— That's not what we care about at the end of a draft. We're not caring about target share projection. We're talking about could he have a productive season if things break right. That's the kind of guy that you're looking for. And in San Diego with Phillip Rivers at quarterback, playing the role he played last year, could approach 1,000 yards as a starter if that happens. We are in a draft right now. You and I are in a dynasty draft at this moment, and we are in the 19th round. And I need a wide receiver. And I will be drafting Dontrell Inman. However, you do pick one slot before I do. So you could snipe me on Dontrell Inman based on Carl's take live in this draft room if you'd like to. I like Carl's take, but I'm going to have to have an injury. I mean, he's going to sit on the bench for a long time. I understand the point of this. All right, you're a sucker. You should be dra- You have an opportunity to draft Dontrell Inman right now and stick a dagger in my back. You could be a winner right now and draft Dontrell Inman, but you won't. Because of pride, you won't. You want to have your own ideas. You don't want to just piggyback on someone else's brilliant ideas for a draft pick in the 19th round. You want to come up with your own ideas. Well, watch what happens. We'll monitor your 19th round pick against my 19th round Dontrell Inman. And we'll see how your pick does versus my pick. And we'll see that your hubris... (laughs) Where is this going? ...will be your undoing in the 19th round of a Dynasty startup. Shirts coming off. With the last pick in the first round, the Indianapolis Colts select the irrelevant Anthony Gonzalez from Ohio State. I think that there's a greater chance 
that he doesn't succeed in the NFL, then there is a chance that he doesn't go in the first round. Stay at home, Deshaun Watson. Stay home. I'm looking out the window right now, and I am about to get hit with a really bad storm. Are you trying to get hit in the head with a baseball here? What are you doing? Mm. The old- Much to my surprise, not German. I got to agree with the take that uh, Jeff just had. That's Carl, not Jeff. You know, I'm just still really bummed out that he didn't join the show. You know, I thought, I was thinking, whoa, Jeff Miller and Jeremy McNichols, same initials, would have been a great show. I'm sorry, Carl, that's my bad, but that's my shtick tonight. Well, I don't get it. What, what is, why is it your shtick? What do you mean, why is it my shtick? I don't under, I don't understand where it originated from. I, I don't know, man. I just, when I get on Twitter, if I see Jeff Miller tweet, I think Carl Safchick. And when I see Carl Safchick tweet, I think Jeff Miller. I don't know why that is. I don't even know who Jeff Miller is. Well, I don't get what what is why is it. You look nothing like a doctor. You sound nothing like a doctor. No one would ever confuse Carl Safchik with a doctor. Well, I don't get what what is why is it. He's gonna take his helmet off and reveal oh, it's a cancer patient. He went the Make a Wish campaign. I might have to edit that out. That might, was that offensive at all to cancer people? And I guess I agree with Nate, even though he didn't really make a point that had any kind of relevance. And I am about to get hit with a really bad storm. We both like him, but we just took this debate of Foreman versus McNichols. And uh, we, we both like him. I just have Foreman above him. We, we both like him. I, we, we both like him. I say I'm not married and I also leave the house sometimes. Well, I don't get what what is. Carl, do you have a question for him? Carl is gone. Carl, do you have a question for him? Carl is gone. Carl, do you have a question for him? Carl is gone. Dude, I can catch the ball for 100 yards. I can run for a rush for 100 yards. Any given Sunday. Any given Sunday. Any given Sunday. Wow, freaking McNichols! That just happened. Do you remember the Oregon game? I was there. (laughs) Matt Waldman absolutely needs to reassess his entire methodology if he has Jeremy McNichols at 19. The stats don't matter. All that matters is what I saw on tape, and what I saw on tape wasn't impressive. I don't care about production. Matt Walden's one of my favorite people in this entire industry, but his running back rankings are incompetent. You'll understand that I am great at crafting questions. You were there while I was sucking his cock. I was a little bit too much of a fanboy, I have to admit. You were there while I was sucking his cock, crossing off the difficult questions going, Oh, by the way, Jeremy, I think you're the best running back ever. You performed fellatio over the airwaves. God, me and Carl have a great thing going. He's just taking the abuse and asking why. So perfect. You were there while I was sucking his cock. I just pulled it. I just pulled it. I would prefer Jeremy McNichols. It was dirty and great. Are you naked right now? I just pulled it. I just pulled it. I'm grabbing all the Johnsons. Remember that? I just pulled it. I just pulled it. I want to grab a Johnson. That's weird. Never forget that you believe that people masturbate while listening to this show. That's never, ever, ever going to be forgotten. Ever. It's never going to be forgotten. To this day, I think that that's the one thing that aliens will glean from our show. 
Oh, he also admitted to being frustrated by his draft stock. Then I got knocked off for Jeremy McNichols. Then a question about Dalvin Cook. I got knocked off for fake Jeremy McNichols after that. How's the weather, Carl? Maybe we can listen to a conversation. Oh, want to hear what's going on in the Safchek household. That's a great question. I should have asked Jeremy McNichols this question. When you find out that you've been pocket dialed, do you listen for an extended period of time to try to hear what surreptitiously listening to someone else's conversation, get a window into their life? Do you do that? Are you that creepy character? You are, aren't you? I can the look on your face. I can tell you're that guy. You're listening to try to you're trying to hear something, anything. Say something weird. Oh man, shirts coming off. Thanks for having me.